0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right, good morning everyone. If you would take your Bibles and turn to the book of John, chapter 15. And as you're turning there, I want to make a quick announcement also on top of that, that we are launching out this Wednesday night. Pastor Troy is beginning a new congregation in Little Elm, Texas tonight. And they'll be doing that on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. Um, just really, really a wonderful thing happened. A friend of his who runs a karate dojo there um, offered the space to him, to, to our church, to use it for virtually nothing. So uh, we're really excited about uh, launching out there. And Pastor Joe and Kim Mills will be doing that work with them. And uh, we've got a handful of people there. They've assembled their team together And uh, so we're going to have Cornerstone Worship Center, Little Elm. Isn't that cool? Yeah, very good. So he'll be uh, probably announcing that in the second service as well. But um, y'all be sure to be praying for that work because we're expecting to reach out to this Metroplex in big ways. And uh, just to give you a report on our building process progress, we are making progress. It's just all behind the scenes right now. And uh, we just, Pastor John and I had a meeting with the city manager last week, and it went well. So he's doing some personal oversight in this project now, and uh, we're trying to get a couple of variances that that we need to go ahead and start building. So be praying for us on that. You know, the Word of God declares that in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4, that we have favor in the sight of God and man. Amen? Favor and good understanding. And so we believe that through this process that the hand of God is with us and therefore we have favor with whoever we come in contact with. Whatever city official, whatever city councilman that we have to go through to to whatever process has to take place, God is with us in this thing. Amen? And I'm very excited about it. So glad you guys are all here this morning. Thank you for being here. and. Let's go ahead and look at John chapter 15. Today I'm going to begin a new series called The Builder. Now next Sunday I want to encourage you to bring somebody. A matter of fact, uh, I've got an, a friend named Juan Galloway. Anybody know who Juan Galloway is? He's come here and he's, we support him on a monthly basis. He runs a, uh, a, him and his father do a ministry together in New York City called New York City Relief. Me and Juan graduated Christ for the Nations together eons ago now. And uh, they feed the homeless people, I mean, thousands every week. He started several churches there called City Tribe Church that reaches out to homeless and derelicts and, you know, every prostitutes, every one of them, that, and uh, get them off the streets and, and get them involved in church and doing something good and give them, putting purpose in their life. And it's just really incredible to see the work that they're doing there. Plus, he was running an urban street Bible school there for some time, training people how to do street ministry. It's just Wonderful guy, and he's going to be here next week. And I was kind of hoping he'd still had his dreadlocks. He had these long, cool dreadlocks, but he cut them all off for his wife. So, anyway, but he's going to be here with us and doing some music and doing some preaching. And uh, I'm telling you, you'll be impacted by this guy. He's going to do that in the early service next week, and then he'll be with us in the second service, um, doing a song and and updating us on what's going on with New York City Relief. So I don't want you to miss that. But today I'm starting this series, and then uh, two weeks from after that, we'll jump back into it, but it's called The Builder, okay? And I want to encourage you to take some notes today and get this on the inside of you just uh, so you can refer back to these things during the week because this is uh, some vital, critical information for your life, and it'll help you and help you stay focused and and give you greater understanding on, on your purpose here and what God has for you in this life. Amen? John chapter 15 verse 1 says, I am the vine, this is Jesus speaking, and my, uh, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now I want to just take a moment to notice something here, that the word prune in verse 2, or you might have a King James version that might say purge, prune or purge, Uh, In verse 2 is the same word for clean in verse 3 all right the same word this is the same Greek word same meaning in the original text so I, I just want you to understand that today please understand today that God purges prunes or cleans with his word amen he does not purge he does not purge us with calamity he does not purge us with disease He does not purge us with pain and trouble and misery. That's not how God God purges us. He cleans us. He prunes us with his word. This is what Jesus teaches us here, and this is exactly what we need to believe. Amen? If there's something in your life that's keeping you from enjoying his abundant life, he will bring his word into your life through through. The preaching that you hear at Cornerstone Worship Center or through someone else or through some way, he'll get his word into your life to get you back on track, to purge you and to cleanse you, and getting you back on the, in the flow of his life for you. Amen. I, I don't know if, about you, but sometimes when I'm sitting out there and I'm hearing somebody preach, it feels like they're talking right to me and nobody else in that building. Huh? You ever felt like you've been picked on that Sunday? Huh? Yeah. It's God talking to you. He's cleaning you with his word. He's purging you. He's pruning you with his word. And it's not always a negative thing. It's, it's, I mean, I, there's always something to receive, but there are times, sometimes I'm scoring them under my seat saying, my God, how does this preacher know what I'm going through right now? But that's God speaking to you. He's because, because he takes you personally and he takes you personally. He takes his word personally. He wants to get, make that word personal for you. Amen so uh just remember that i'm I'm just grateful for that today i'm grateful that god doesn't go around hacking people and beating on people just to to somehow purge them and clean them now you know back in the old testament god dealt with man in a different way because we had no mediator you know job's job talked about not having a mediator that was his problem he didn't have a mediator. people are always trying to compare themselves to the life of job (laughs) We're not even close to that. Jesus came and changed everything for us today. We have this mediator. We have one that's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As a matter of fact, he is still a man. He's still God, but he's still a man seated there on your behalf today. Amen. And so you have direct access to the throne of grace, to come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need today. Amen. And so then his word comes into your life and changes us. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides there's a lot of abiding in this chapter in there so far. He who abides, anybody know what abide means? To stay, to dwell, to sit. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit, for without me You can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you who's saying this Jesus himself the walking word is saying this himself if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you will and it shall be done for you ask what you desire By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much, or the original text is actually the word mega, mega fruit, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So here, we see clearly that it is God's will that we live fruitful, successful lives. And today, I'm going to give you uh, ways to guarantee your success, and I'm also going to talk about ways to guarantee your failure, too. I will give you information today that will guarantee success for your life. Amen? And not just success, but uh, Joshua 1, chapter 8 says you'll have good success. Amen? I mean, it is possible to have success and not produce good good in our lives. Just ask Ebenezer Scrooge, right? He He was very successful in getting his money, but it wasn't a good success for him because his whole... Life was focused on that. You know, many people's idea of success comes in, though, a certain dollar amount. Or their, or their idea of success comes in a certain car that they want to drive or a house or a neighborhood they want to live in or the kind of clothes they want to wear or the kind of people they want to hang out with. This is our idea. We're, we're always measuring success by material things, by outward things. And so if, if men are focused on this, then they're never satisfied. They say that money magnifies the man, that it just, it just tells really what the man is all about. The more money the man has, the more he's going to show you who he really is, right? I mean, you, we see it every week. And I'm not, going to, I'm not just trying to pick on these guys, but it seems to be in the headlines all the time. You see it in professional sports all the time. This athlete gets a $47 million contract, and next thing you know, he's in a, found in a hotel with hookers and cocaine. You know, you think, how in the world? Your, your problems are over, are they not, with $47 million? No, and money magnified the man. He had problems way before he ever got the money. Hmm. So why? Why is this? It's just only, a, a little, you know, a little old widow, the Bible teaches us, that uh, she followed all these rich men, very wealthy men, in a line coming out of church, dropping their offerings in a bucket, right? And Jesus and his disciples are sitting there watching it. They put in much. They did. The Bible says they put in much. Out of their abundance, they put in much. But she put in how much? Two pennies. She put in little. It was a little, however, of what they had, and it was all that she had. Jesus told the disciples that, that she was more successful in her giving than all those rich guys were. She was more successful. Because why? Because she gave all. Now, I'm not telling you to pull out all your money today and put it in the offering. It wouldn't bother me, but uh, <laughs> I'm not t- asking you to do that today. All I'm telling you, there's a principle here to understand. That, that Jesus taught us in Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things would be added to you. And note this, too. We've talked about this before, that Jesus let that little old widow walk out of there completely moneyless, penniless. I mean, you would th- I mean, if I were Jesus, if I were Jesus, I might, I might look at that differently. I might go, oh, no, hang on, granny, come back here and pull out some of that money those rich guys put in there and put it in their hands and say, thank you, thank you, go on. You know? But no, Jesus just let her walk on out, completely broke. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Well, because Jesus really believes in his word. He believes in the law of seed time and harvest. He knew that somewhere down the road, maybe just right, right, right a few blocks away, maybe in a couple days, however, she's going to be taken care of. Amen. He didn't have to disrupt the process. It was already a law in place. Amen. So, so we see it's God's will for you to have... It's his will for you to have good success. And we see what Jesus came to give us, life, and that more abundantly. We talked about the promise over the last few weeks in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, that if you are Christ's, then you are what? Abraham's seed and heirs. And that word heir means that you have in your power. Well, this is so good. You have in your power the promise that you are Abraham's seed according to the promise and we talked about what the promise was and it was the promise that God made to Abram in Genesis chapter 12 I will bless you and you will be a blessing out of all the promises in the Word of God God calls this one the promise Read Galatians chapter 3 you can see it in verse 14 verse 22 and verse 29 if you want to check that out I will bless you and you will be a blessing. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 says, Meditate on these things. Give yourself, Paul's talking to Timothy here. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them so that your profiting, everybody say profiting, profiting may appear unto all men. A profit is what you have left over after the expenses, right? Amen. Or, let or, me say it like this, or it's more than you need. Right? A prophet is ab- a- actually more than you Paul is telling Timothy, and really all of us here today, that I want you to live a life where you have more than what you need. Well, I need a real good amen right there. God wants you to live a life that you have more than what you need. The abundant life, a fruitful life, a good success life. It's what God desires for all of us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 teaches us that he has given unto us all things. Everybody say all things all things that pertain to life and godliness, right? So, we see through the scripture that it is God's will that we have good success in life. But we also know that God's will doesn't just happen. Did you know that? God's will is not automatic. A lot of people believe it is. They believe that that we're just we're we're predestined. And whatever happens, happens because God is in complete control of everything. If he's in control of everything, he's doing a bad job. He really is. Don't get too quiet on me here this morning. I had a, as a matter of fact, I'll say who it was. It was Scott Boney. First time I ever met. Y'all remember Scott Boney? <laughs> First time Heather and I ever met him. He had this bumper sticker on, his truck, on the back of his pickup that said, don't worry, God is in control. And then he got in a car accident. Got a, and the pickup was all crunched up in the front, and that bumper sticker still on the back. And then he got in another car accident, and the whole hood was, he had a bungee cord holding the hood down, and I, I finally told, or, Heather talked to him, I, yeah, I didn't have a front bumper on it. Just, uh, I said, man, this is a bad, bad message. This is, a, you're sending some mixed signals here, Scott. This says, don't worry, God is in control, but your l- truck looks like a wreck here. All right? <laughs> so, listen, the truth is, God is not in complete control. God gave man control a long time ago. He lent the earth to Adam and Eve and said, you subdue the earth, you be fruitful and multiply. Now there is a time when Jesus Christ himself is going to come back and he is going to take over. He is going to take complete control. But ladies and gentlemen, right now it's in our hands. Right now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God and and, and the first, second, or third John, one of those three good ones back there in the back of the New Testament says that as he is, so are we in this world. Think about that statement. Just swallow that for a second. As he is, how is Jesus? He's ruling and reigning at the right hand of the throne of God. As he is, so are we in this world. God really thanks a lot of you, ladies and gentlemen. My family, he thanks a lot of you today. Amen. Amen. See, you can be a child of God and not enjoy the promises of God in your life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, and you might jot that down, but it says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. That is, uh, um, this is he's talking about the Hebrews and now to the Jews, I mean, and, and as well as to the uh, Gentiles. But, they, but, but the word which they heard, this is the Jews, the word which they heard did not profit them, there's that word again, did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. What's the key to getting the word working in your life? What is the key here? Why didn't the word profit those who heard it? Because it was not mixed with what? It wasn't mixed with faith. You have to believe the word for it to take operation in your life for it to happen in your life. I mean, you can quote the word all day long. You can hear it preached all day long. But if you don't mix it with the faith that's in your heart, that's in your mouth, that's in your mind, that's in your life, it's not going to profit you anything. Jesus said that the traditions, the traditions of men actually make the word of God of no effect. That's why the Pharisees hated Jesus. Here he is right before them. They hear his teaching, and none of them hear it because they're so caught up in their tradition. They're so caught up in their religion, and it, it never takes effect in their life. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Is this helping you this morning? Amen. We're talking about good success. How to to succeed. I'm going to give you some some truths to hold on to to here. Verse chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus is speaking again. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was found on the rock. Now, I want to help you today that uh, where it says, he who, whoever hears these things," a, a better word for hearing is, is understanding, he who understands these things. When Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, what he's saying is, he who has ears to understand, to understand. So what he's saying, he who understands these things of mine, these sayings of mine, and does them. And then it says, I will liken him to a man who built his house. This man's house just represents his life, all right? represent for us, that's our lives today. So Jesus shows us that it is possible to understand the life that God has for you and the promises that God has for you. Now look at this, let's keep reading, verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, oh, look at this. He shows us here that it's possible to understand, to hear, and to understand, and to what? Not do them. And to not allow his word or his understanding to impact your life. Notice, both men understood. Both men, the one who, one built his house on the rock, one built his house on the sand, but both men understood what they were doing. One of them chose to do it on the rock, and one of them chose not to. Let me read verse 26. And does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Notice that both men built their lives. So whether you want, whether you want to be a builder or not, you are a builder. <laughs> you really are. So both men are building their lives. So why would one man choose rock, and why would one man choose sand? That's my question. Especially when the rock was offered to both of them. They both have the understanding that what they're they're supposed to do. Both men understand, yet one chose rock and the other one chose sand. And the man that chose sand must surely know that the house was not going to stand when the winds blew and the floods came. He has the understanding, but he still chooses to build it on the sand. So the man that chose the sand knew that and, 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 and knew that he was intending or he was destining his house for destruction. Destining his house to fall, even though he knew. Maybe, why would somebody do that? With the understanding, why would someone do that? Maybe it's because it's easier to build your house on the sand. Maybe it's because it's quicker. Maybe because it's cheaper. Maybe it's because it's not as hard. I just can't, I can't figure out why would a person choose to do it, but they still do. Because building is not easy. We're in a building project right now, and we're finding out building is not easy. It is a hard thing. It really is, especially going through all the stuff we're going through with the city. Now, once we start turning dirt, praise God, we're believing that it's going to go a lot quicker. But this whole planning process has just been a very difficult thing. And in the natural sometimes, I just want to throw up my hands and go, what's the use in this, right? But listen, if you're going to build right, it's difficult. It's hard. And you have to just stay with it. Amen. It's not easy. But, but maybe that's why a man would choose sand, that, because it's just easier. See, we, people, we see people building on sand and building on rock all around us all the time. I mean, you, let's just take marriage, for example. You see people's marriages. You see the way they, this, a couple talks to each other. You see the way the couple talks about each other. Huh? When, the, when the wife is alone with her friends, the way she might talk about her husband, when the husband talks about his wife, their attitudes, and, and you on the outside are going, hey, 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 you're building on sand here. Don't you know that, that you're headed for destruction with this attitude, with the way that you're talking? But see, when they're in it, they know better, but they're stuck in it. They just choose to stay on the sand. So we see that, right? From the out, It's so easy. But, and, and you see people in their career, on their job. Making decisions that end up in destruction. Bad business deals. Stuff under the table happening all the time, you know. Not paying their taxes like they're supposed to. Uh, 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 you know, <laughs> there, was a, there was a little cafe that Heather and I really enjoyed going to over off of El Dorado called, um, what was that called? Egg Basket Cafe. Anybody ever eat at Egg Basket Cafe? It was good. I really liked their food. I enjoyed it. But every time we went to this little cafe, The service was horrendous. I mean, not just bad. It was horrendous every time. And most of the time, they got mine or Heather's order wrong, but they just didn't know how to service. And I thought, you know, these guys have a really good product. They do. I always enjoyed it every time I ate there. I enjoyed the food, that is. But they had a terrible way of presenting that product. And then, just a few days, uh, by the way, that business is closed now, unfortunately, because they didn't have the service, didn't have the proper management. They're building that business on sand. But a few days ago, we were at the new Uncle Julio's that just opened up between here and Allen, and, um, and a few of us from church went there and ate ate lunch. I don't know, how many of us were, were there, 10? 10 of us were sitting there at, at lunch, and they were busy, and uh, but I mean, they were bringing us chips and filling up our drinks, taking real good care of us. It was just a little bit long but it wasn't that bad. I mean and the manager comes over to us when they bring out our food and she says I, I want to just apologize for you know, us getting the food out to you late. It's absolutely unacceptable. So lunch is on me today. We were like wow what is this business doing? They're building their business on a rock. Mm-hmm. Because they plan on being there, and 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 when a business when a when a manager comes out and says that's unacceptable, not just you know could you just overlook our mistake here? No, that's unacceptable. That person's going to be in business a long time, amen. And so you build your house on the sand or the rock, and and, and both of them, like I said, you, both of these men understood. So there's one truth that I want to share with you today. That if you will pr- practice it in every area, it'll work in every area of your life. I guarantee you, you will have success. Are you ready? The truth is never stop building. If you never stop building in your marriage, if you never stop building in your job, in your career, if you never stop building in your health, if you never stop building in raising your children, if you never stop, you will succeed. If you stop building, I promise you, you will fail. How do you know that you're in the building mode? How is it that you can check yourself and know that you're in the building mode? Are you ready? Number one, number one, you have a vision. A builder has a vision. Vision is when you see the possibility. You see the potential for your life. You see what life can be for you. You see that there's something better out there for you than what you're experiencing right now. Right? Vision. A vision is different than a dream. There's lots of people that have dreams that never fulfill those things. But a, a vision has pulling power on it. The people, the people lack vision. These are the people that end up in destruction. They end up perishing because vision, vision will take you to where, what it is that you're seeing ahead of you. You have a vision if you're a builder. Number two, you're excited. You like what you're doing. Hey, you know what? It's okay to have a job and like it, too. It really is. I, I recommend it. I really love my job. I've had jobs that I have loathed, that I have hated. Working for Walmart Distribution Center, hated that job. And if you work for them, God bless you in that. But that's the worst job I ever had in my life. And I'm glad not to be doing that today. Worked for a funeral home, I'm glad not to be doing that today. Yeah, so dead around there. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. So you have a vision. You're excited. You're enthusiastic about it. You're you're, you're in what you're doing. Amen? You're in it. You're you're there. You're, You're excited about it. See, whether you like it or not, I want to remind you again today that you are building, so you might as well build on the rock. You might as well build for the future. You might as well build for the next generation and the next generation. Amen? Make your life leave a good legacy. Sand or rock, but you're still building. So <clears throat> a great walk with God doesn't just happen automatically either. Amen. You build it. How do you know you're building a great walk with God? Well, you're excited about your walk with God. Amen. You're excited to be in church. You're excited to be involved in church. You're, you're, you're enthusiastic about it. You, you pick up the Bible and read it once in a while on your own. Amen. You listen to some, some preaching outside. You go by you know, our bookstore and buy preaching cds that we have and you put them in your car and you're excited about your walk with god you're building you're building in in that walk into a great walk with your heavenly father amen you pray you spend time praying people start off sad thing is people start off many times excited but but somewhere along the way they just quit building they quit building their lives and and if you're not building you're falling back amen so whether it's your marriage, whether it's your job, your family, your relationships, your health, your walk with God, all of these are going to be great because they are built. They are all built. None of them, none of, the, none of these things, people don't just have great marriages because they're lucky. <laughs> people don't have good kids because they're lucky. Well, I, you know, one couple, people might have a good kid in the back of, well, that kid's my cross to bear. <laughs> no, that's your child to train. That is your child to raise right. The Bible teaches us clearly in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, that train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Amen. Amen. I'm grateful for the parents that I had that raised me in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I wasn't grateful then, but I'm grateful now. Amen. Every time I got bent over that bed and my hind end whipped. It wasn't a fun experience, but I understand now why it was so important. Amen. And mamas and daddies are raising kids, don't give in, don't quit building just because your kid's crying. Don't give in just because your kid doesn't like it. Amen? You stay strong. You keep training up in the way they should go. When they're old, they'll still be there. They'll still be serving God. They'll still be making right decisions. And they won't be a burden in your life. They'll be a friend to you. Amen. I'm looking forward to my kids getting older and them being my friends. I'm friends with my parents. I, I enjoy that relationship. Amen. I'm grateful for the, the, the sacrifices they made. You know, my dad used to set. set I mean, it was, I, I couldn't understand it at the time. I do now, you know, he'd pull, pull us up in his lap. And every time he whipped us, he always pulled us up in his lap and reaffirmed us again. Reaffirmed his love toward us, never, never did it angrily. You know, if you're beating a kid angrily, then you're abusing that kid. I mean, understand the, the difference between loving them. And the Bible says if you love them, you'll beat them. That's just what it says. <laughs> Amen. Not abuse them, but hit those two pads on the backside. That's what it's there for. Amen. And he always pulled us up in his lap. And sometimes he would weep and, tell, and say to me, Eric, I have to do this, son, because the Bible tells me to do this. And because I love the Word of God, I love you. And I have to do what I'm supposed to do. It's not easy for me. This hurts me to do this. I'm like, yeah, right, you ought to be on this side of the board. But I understand that a lot more now as a father, that it's not easy. Golly, it's just not. It seems like sometimes we're always whipping our kids. You know, it seems several times a day I think, is this getting through to these kids? Is this worth doing this? Going through, absolutely it is. Stay with it. Keep building. Amen? Amen? Stay with it. Stay consistent in it. Praise the Lord. As long as you keep building, you will have good success. Success now over the next few weeks, I'm going to show you things that get in the way and to keep you from being a builder, keep you from it. It'll be thought processes, wrong thought, wrong thinking. Uh, wrong attitudes and things like that. We'll be talking about that. And I'm going to teach you how to build. Praise God. Turn over to Matthew 16 and we'll finish up with this. Who put this on the inside of us? This in our DNA as, as believers, as people, to be builders? Well, we, we're going to look at our, our, the greatest example of a builder, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ here. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Excuse me. When Jesus came to the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, uh, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, here's the key verse I want to get to. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on what's he building on? What's Jesus building on? A rock. What's the rock? The rock, that is the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Amen? The revelation of who Jesus is. When you get a revelation of who Jesus is, your life is founded upon a rock. Amen. And you build from there. He said, upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will what? I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know that right now, Jesus in 2008 is building his church? Still today. He started back then, and it is still happening. The church today is bigger than it has ever been in the history of the world. There are more people getting saved today than ever has been before. There are more people being healed. There are more. There are more miracles going on today than it ever has happened in the history of this world. We only we we come to one congregation. We and we have all kinds of testimonies out of this church. We have lots of people get healed. We we see that happen week in and week out. Financial testimony, all kinds of marriage uh, uh, miracles and. Uh, just wonderful things happening all the time here, but this is just one church. There are churches all over the world that are experiencing. That. And you th- you think of, of that as a whole. That's when Jesus said, "I go to my Father, and these works will you do that I do, and, and but greater works. Now, not greater in quality, but greater in quantity. He was one man on this earth, but now his body is here in the earth. In all of us individuals, think about it. It's greater. It's greater today. His work is greater today. He's building his church every day, everywhere, and in every way today. Well, that's exciting. He is all about building. Every time God touches your life in some way, he's building something into your life. That's why I love coming to church because maybe I don't see exactly the you know, I don't see the results outwardly. Sometimes I do. Maybe I don't feel the results but something's being deposited in me. Something is being deposited into you today that's building your life for the kingdom of God and your life with God, your walk with Him. He doesn't tear down. Jesus builds. And He's he's so consumed with it. He's consumed with me. He doesn't get off track. He doesn't get off focus. He's continually building. And Jesus, at this one moment in his life, when he is hanging on the cross, he already, he's already received a beating, the, endured the Roman uh, uh, whip, uh, which we don't know how many times that happened. I mean, uh, a lot of men died under that Roman scourge. He'd already endured that, lost a lot of blood. He's, he's, already had the, he's got the crown of thorns upon his head, and he's hanging there on that cross, nailed to that wood, his hands and his feet, and he's, and he's saying the last few statements there uh, that we know that he said things like, uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So Jesus is just, even in the midst of all this, even though the Pharisees and, and, and all those have, have, have plotted and they've accomplished what they came to do to get this man dead so that they can continue in their religion and their tradition. And, 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 and he's, he's hanging there with forgiveness flowing out of him. I mean, at that moment, it really could have been all about him, right? He could have just been thinking, this is terrible. I don't want to do this. But he's thinking about the world still. God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he's even thinking about his mother, and, and, and he's talking to John, and he says, and, and says. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your, your your mother. And so he's putting his mother in John's care. I mean, he's, he's just pouring out, still thinking of others. He's got a thief over on one side reviling him, saying, why don't you save yourself? Why don't you save us? You know, uh, blaspheming him. And then this other thief on the other side who has nothing to offer Jesus. Guess what? He's built his whole life on sand. And he's Faced his destruction. The winds have come. The, 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 the hammer of justice has come down, and he's hanging on that cross, receiving exactly what he deserves. And he's hanging there, and he looks over at Jesus, and he knows something is different about this man. He, he's seen other men crucified and heard them is spitting at people and, 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 and saying things that they shouldn't be saying uh, out of anger and all, all kinds of stuff. But here's this man uh, pouring out forgiveness and still love coming out of him with blood flowing from his body. And he, and, and he can't help himself, but he realizes and he recognizes that this must be somebody. He must be who he says he is. He must be who they said he was. And he looks over and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, still with that builder mentality, builds the kingdom with one more soul at this moment, takes that moment and says, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Whew. And Jesus showed up in paradise with a thief standing beside him. Think about that. And I love, I love the, and, and he made sure that he did it right too. He died before that thief died. He shed the blood, he, he ex, expired, and I'm sure just somewhere on the other side, he's sitting there waiting for the thief to come on and cross on over. I've already paid for it, buddy. Said you'd be here. And all that thief did was just say, Lord, remember me. Don't you see how wonderful salvation is for us today? How, how God extended his grace toward all of us today. By simply believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, we also get to be with him. Amen. And this is how we build the kingdom of God. This is how we build our lives based on the truth that we build it on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll never go wrong if you continue to build in every area of your life. Keep it before you all the time. How can I build? What can I do to improve this area in my life? Stay a builder and you will succeed. Amen. Let's stand up together this morning. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecostchurch.com